Hello and welcome to a special festive edition of the Reorg Europe podcast. I'm Richard Woolley and this week we're going to be taking stock of the year we've all just lived through with contributions from each branch of Reorg's editorial trifecta in Europe. Senior legal analyst Shan Qureshi is going to talk us through the key developments in legislation and case law. Ben Kovachka will give us some highlights from the financial analyst team. And managing editor Julie Mekon will give her reflections on the year and Reorg's editorial response to it. Shan, from a legal perspective, what themes did we see in Europe and what were the most interesting precedents for you? Thanks, Richard. In my view, the key theme for the year has been debtors amending their capital structure to deal with the liquidity issues brought about by the effects of the pandemic. Now, the ability to quickly take on super senior debt and extinguish junior debt has been critical. And the tool used most effectively to do that was the English law scheme of arrangement. We have so far seen schemes used to wipe out around 674 million euros in senior unsecured debt, equitize around 4.16 billion euros in secured debt and add 690 million euros in super senior debt. The tool was also used to extend upcoming maturity of debt. And when this was done, maturity was pushed back on an average of around 2.75 years. Often, the tool was used hand in hand with the consent solicitation to amend a different part of the capital structure. So, for example, when ground handler Swissport wanted to insert a new super senior tranche of debt to aid its liquidity in May, the group used a consent solicitation to obtain permission from its noteholders and a scheme of arrangement to bypass the unanimous consent required from bank lenders. Elsewhere, where a debt for equity swap was implemented, such as with HEMA, we saw the scheme coupled with an enforcement process where junior creditor consent could not be obtained. CBAs were also used by New Look and Pizza Express to reduce landlord rent obligations. And what kinds of new legislative tools did we see? So the new Part 26A restructuring plan, which became available in the summer, was the biggest news from the English law perspective. Whilst we have also seen new tools produced in both the German and Dutch jurisdictions, neither of these have come into force yet. The Part 26A plan was used by both Pizza Express and Virgin Atlantic to implement their restructurings. The process is broadly speaking the same as the existing scheme of arrangement, but importantly it features cross-class cramdown. This means that a plan can be implemented and be binding on all creditor classes, even if one class of creditors does not agree to it. Now this is a departure from the the orthodox scheme position, position which requires the consent of all voting creditor classes. The cross-class cramdown powers have not yet been used, although it's worth noting that Pizza Express plan was structured so that they could have used uh, the cross-class cramdown to bind a potentially, potential group of dissenting junior creditors. I think we will see plenty more Part 26A plans next year, and probably a few new German and Dutch schemes after these new measures come into effect. The German and Dutch schemes are scheduled to come into effect from January 1st. Ben, is there anything you want to add to Shan's overview of the 2020 themes? Hi, Richard. I think Shan is very much on the money with regards to the liquidity considerations. The beginning of the crisis has been dominated by RCF draws, and we have spent a lot of time scrutinizing priming debt capacity to determine liquidity options for sectors most affected by the virus. We took quite a comprehensive approach, and a lot of our analysis included scrutinizing relatively aggressive options such as transfers to unrestricted subsidiaries, which has been a much more common US phenomenon. Um, Ultimately, only one European credit ended up transferring assets to unrestricted subsidiaries, and that was Olympic Entertainment. Across other credits, utilization of super senior baskets was a more common priming approach, uh, though we have also seen a lot of secure debt priming as well as a dilutive debt issuance. 
However, with quick, uh, vast fiscal and monetary support from the governments and central banks, liquidity for the issuers of higher quality has been secured and the primary market uh, was back by April and May, something that um, I'm sure Julie will touch on more. Um, beyond liquidity, some big themes that determined the winners from the losers initially uh, was vari uh, variability of cost structures um, with unprecedented fall in top lines. Ability to match uh, the revenue decline with cost cuts was crucial to minimize cash burn. Now, this was um, to a large extent helped by government support and various furlough measures, um, which have been extended and remain in place even today. Uh, now, all things considered, the pandemic-driven cash burn in a system led to more debt and higher leverage ratios. Um, and that is what we are entering uh, 2021 with. So 2021 is uh, going to be marked by, you know, wide vaccine rollout, especially, you know, in a, in a, in a first couple of quarters, um, business recovery from the lockdowns in 2020 on one hand and tapering of government support with implications on unemployment and a higher systemic leverage on the other. And of course, um, then there are some other events such as Brexit uh, to consider. Okay, now I'm a big fan of end of year lists. So uh, I'd be interested just to ask you what you think the most interesting situation of the year has been. So on the primary side, there were a couple of interesting and well-timed deals, such as Stonegate or Pure Gym, but Lowell would have to be the primary deal of the year for me. It is a credit that has been controversial and topical for a very long time due to outsized capital structure, but in the end, the sponsor's 600 million check was sufficient to refinance the stack and position the company for the next couple of years as the world emerges from the pandemic and new NPL portfolios come to the market. On the distress side, there were many interesting restructurings, um, I guess, you know, maybe using Select as an example. Um, it, it was a very interesting story with sponsor provided super senior funding, uh, which was effectively dropped down in the restructuring to preferred equity level. And KKR provided additional 125 million new money sitting at the preferred equity level, um, all while creditors saw 64 cents of reinstatement in new debt and additional um, and additional uh, preferred shares in a relatively creditor-friendly uh, deal. Uh, but of course, there are many other very interesting and exciting transactions, such as Europe Car, Premier Cruiser Merger, uh, among many others. Julie, you and I have lived through financial crises before. What was unexpected or surprising about this one? The speed of the market rally in the second part of the year was an interesting development for me. Despite the pandemic not being fully under control and the economy still looking precarious in Europe, the leverage loan and high-yield bond markets were only shot for a very brief period of time. When they reopened, they offered fairly accommodating terms to issuers, both in terms of pricing and covenants. August was a very busy month for new issuance, and right into mid-December, we are continuing to see new deals. I was also struck by how markets in Europe have matured compared with the 2008 crisis, because fallen angels uh, such as cruise operator Carnival or Rolls-Royce were able to tap the markets to finance their requirements in times of stress. Of course, they paid a premium, but they were able to raise the funds that they were after. Some of this activity was obviously supported by the fact that government and central banks acted fast to make sure they supported the economy and financial markets. The flip side of their actions is that we haven't seen as many restructuring as we could have in the current economic downturn. Despite the pandemic, there's a substantial amount of optimism in the market going into 2021 due to the vaccines against COVID-19 being rolled out. Sell side and buy side both expect a pickup in M&A and private equity activity. 
I expect that central bank actions will continue to limit the number of restructurings, but many credits will likely have to amend their debt documentation and to start focusing on deleveraging. One final point about 2020 is that it was almost the year of ESG in Europe. Um, had it not been for the pandemic, I expect more progress would have been made on this front, um, as sell-side and buy-side alike are being encouraged by regulators to work on more socially and environmentally conscious deals. Um, this will be another development to watch in 2021, as ESG standards become harmonized and start to be perceived uh, in the economic terms of new debt deals. And what was your story of the year? As Ben rightly said, there were many unusual and interesting deals this year. But for me, the deals that best encapsulate the year 2020 are the bonds raised by Carnival. We're talking about a British-American cruise operator, which was a single A-rated credit going into 2020 and fell to a BB rating with Moody's and S&P. It's an example of the huge hit felt by the leisure industry during the pandemic. And it shows how far the European debt market has come since 2008. The company, while distressed, was able to raise debt on three occasions this year, in November, when prospects of a COVID vaccine lifted the markets, but before that in August and July. On two occasions, it tapped the market for euro debt, which is something a distressed issuer wouldn't have been able to pull in the 2008 financial crisis. And within Reorg itself, obviously, we're always trying out uh, new things and new editorial projects. Uh, which do you think were the most interesting this year? In a year when Reorg EMEA coverage expanded to over a thousand credits, it's been great to provide insight through scoops, analysis, podcasts, and webinars, but it's also been a year where we have started organizing the data on the site in a more user-friendly way for our subscribers. I hope you all noticed a downloadable list of our stressed and distressed coverage, which you can find under the EMEA special sits tracker on the site. We have also launched a deal screener to allow subscribers to search for certain data by creating filters for anything from debt amount to net leverage or LTM EBITDA as well as country. Finally, we've added a new product to the MEA coverage with the start of mid-market coverage. This includes deals in Europe with debt under 250 million euro. Our coverage sets out to provide information, analysis and data for performing and distressed deals in that space of the market. I hope you've enjoyed these new features and continue to engage with us about our coverage in 2021. At the end of the very first podcast that I recorded from my living room after the UK office closed in March of this year, we felt it was important to reassure subscribers that Reorg would continue to be providing its best-in-class service throughout this period of disruption and confusion. I hope we've lived up to that promise this year and I very much look forward to speaking to you again in the new year. Until then, stay safe, happy holidays, and as ever, thank you very much for listening.